Welcome to Newcastle Libraries Real. I invite you to close your eyes and imagine. Imagine that there are no buildings, no roads, no cars, just the trees, plants, animals and the very first storytellers of this land, the Awabakal and Waramai people. So I acknowledge them as the traditional custodians of this beautiful land in which we live. Welcome to Tomorrow's Future Today, brought to you by Newcastle Libraries in partnership with the Newcastle Youth Council. What are the ways that businesses can help address environmental and social issues? How can we earn a living as well as benefiting others? Social entrepreneurship is a hot topic right now, and for good reason. In this episode, Ash from the Youth Council takes a dive into SDG 8, Decent Work and Economic Growth, and talks to Mel McCabe, who is making a difference in the way we do business. Mel runs Core Ethics, a not-for-profit kick-started in 2016. Core Ethics embarked on a research inquiry into the impacts of mass tourism on life in Bali, Lombok and Sumbawa, focusing on water depletion and pollution and land rights. They empower individuals through education, businesses through advice on ethics in tourism and seek systemic change through good governance. This interview is filled with so much value for young listeners as we start with Mel's own journey to founding her own social enterprise and finish looking at ways in which young people can do the same. How does your tomorrow look? Follow Newey Youth Council on Insta. I'm joined today by Mel McCabe. She's going to be sharing some insight into leadership and entrepreneurship about her ethical startup called Core Ethics. Mel, please, would you introduce yourself um, and can you tell us all a little bit about the organisation that you work for? Sure. Thanks for having me today, Ash. That's okay. Um, so my name is Melissa McCabe. I grew up in Newcastle. I studied at the University of New England as well as the University of Newcastle. Completed a degree in international studies, so majoring in global politics and peace and Indonesian. From here, after graduating, like many graduates, you know, was hungry to sort of get the career rolling, moved down to Canberra, got a lot of exposure um, in the Refugee Action Network down there, which was fantastic. Did a bit yeah. of radio, did a bit of uh, committee volunteering, so setting up events. Taught a bit of international human rights in schools down there as well. So it was a fantastic experience. But unfortunately, the government went into caretaker mode um, when I was trying to get a role with the federal government. Uh, so that sort of closed up. Family reasons led me back to Newcastle. While I was back, you know, I was sort of open-minded about, you know, I was passionate about the environment, passionate about social issues coming from, you know, working in the refugee space. So mm. I was like, you know, what can I do? What can I do? I went along to a talk at the University of Newcastle. So they were holding a talk down there for entrepreneurship. So I went along. It was a two-day course. They gave a bit of information about setting up your own organisation. I thought this was going to be a one-way street, so just receiving all the information. Turns out on the second day it was two-way street. So he asked to pitch an idea and so I went home that night thinking about what sort of idea, you know, what's the gap that I can see and, and what can I bring to the table. Uh, so I pitched an idea about an ethical consultancy for the tourism industry and looking at not just environmental issues, which is quite popular with ecotourism, yeah. but the social issues as well. So drawing on my background in peace studies um, and the idea that 
you know, creating sustainable peace means creating peace within a social realm mm. and an environmental realm, and yeah. they don't exist separate. Uh, so I pitched that idea. I won. When I did win, I was like, oh, no, this is a lot of work. <laughs> so instead of launching straight into a business idea, I decided to conduct research uh, for one year. I did that through spending time over in Bali, Lombok and Sumbawa. Yeah, wow. uh, so this was really... What was driving me was asset-based community development and this idea about, you know, for so long international development has been about focusing on problems and creating solutions for those problems. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, those solutions can become outdated and defunct. Uh, so asset-based community development to me was, you know, a really awesome opportunity to change the way that we're changing the world. So I was drawing on an inquiry of uh, what is the impact of mass tourism on water depletion and pollution. Mm. So from that I was literally walking the streets, you know, asking tourists, locals, business owners, entrepreneurs themselves. Um, and what did you hear from that sort of on-the-ground research? There was definitely a correlation between education levels and understanding of the impacts of tourism. Uh, I, I interviewed people from you know, high school diploma to um, professors in the universities and all that sort of stuff. So uh, what I collected was quite a wholesome portrayal of what's happening in society over there. In terms of the feelings of tourism in Bali, there is already a huge undercurrent locally against not so much tourists themselves, but tourism as a development. Mm. So, you know, sacrificing rice lands for hotels. Yeah. The under-the-table purchase of property without local knowledge. In Indonesia, there is already issues around land rights, which is a very, very touchy subject. So to interlink some of these other issues... It was a huge task. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and then, so you've sort of shared just then about, um, I guess, the social and ethical considerations of people that live in Bali, whether that's people that are native or people that live there um, as a part of business or that just visit. What do you think that you running Core Ethics has done differently? Because I know you met, uh, you mentioned uh, asset-based uh, sort of initiatives. Mm. Do you think you could share about what, gave core ethics the edge as opposed to just going in there as in a way a western from a western perspective and saying mm. oh this doesn't look very good you know how what what really differentiated mm. you i think the key takeaway is that we deeply understood the problem and we're still deeply understanding the problem mm. and i think that is the biggest difference i will never well, I hope to never be able to sit here and go, here's the solution. Yeah. Because the solution is always, it's always changing. Mm. And so to have that flexibility is fantastic because we know that our impact will be more, have more longevity. Mm. Yeah. But I think when we get stuck in, I've solved it, you know, this is it. And then while you're busy putting all your energy into that, a new problem is created. So I think having that flexibility on the solution is fantastic, but it's hard work. Yeah, I guess because in that sense, we always have to stay on top of what's happening. Something that's really stuck with me through leadership, different exposure to it over many years, someone once said that there's 
an idealism that when we try and solve a problem and go in to help, that what we do before we go in is we think, okay, here's the problem. It could be there's not enough water. And we say, oh, well, we know how to fix that. Let's take more water to them. But upon consult with the community, like you're saying, they're saying, oh, don't bring us the water. Actually, we'd prefer X, Y, Z. So it's a really, I think, interesting perspective because so much leadership and so much, so many decisions that are made that I see are based on, oh, we think this will be really good when the stakeholders themselves might not necessarily benefit. Um, so I guess in that sense, what motivated you to start it? Because it does sound like mm. it took a lot of effort, a lot of energy, a lot of hard hours, which I think a lot of people probably would have kind of kicked the bucket and gone, yeah, look, that's yeah. enough. This yeah. is too hard. Yeah, um, how did you keep motivated and what obviously put you on that trajectory to keep going? Sure. So there's certainly been a lot of times where I've almost kicked that bucket. <laughs> I think about this often, sometimes when you know you're so overworked or you're so tired and you think how am I going to pull this project together or how am I going to perform tomorrow you know pitching um, to partners or all that sort of stuff but I think back to when I was a traveler and seeing some of the injustices while I've been traveling I think those things stick with me Mm. I've been really fortunate in my experience um, in the last three years in Bali to have a really close connection with a lot of local people. And so I've seen things um, that will stay with me forever and gives me that motivation to... I have a sense of responsibility, essentially. Mm. And I think when you dive deep into some of these issues, you're not really dealing with you know facts or figures or... Uh, pollution figures or whatnot you're dealing with people and their lives and their children and their children so there's this greater being I guess um, over you a greater purpose a greater yeah a greater purpose that drives you to continue that's interesting from a perspective of I think a lot of individuals find it hard especially I think Australians because we're from so many different parts of the world now we can find it hard to connect with each other can you share a bit about you've you've kind of given the contextual lead up where did it really begin and was it difficult to get it off the ground after you'd gone through that research phase no and I think that was the beauty of the inquiry Mm. because I was already inquiring and people were already divulging information that they have not divulged with anyone else before that was a way of I was building relationships without knowing that I was building relationships and I think that's such a beautiful thing about asset-based community development Mm. because you're not isolated in an area saying you know to the drawing board this is how we're going to solve this okay let's get all the money together and then we're going to solve it yeah you're actually on the ground with the people and you're getting a real understanding of different issues and you know why some things haven't been solved as fast as others should have been yeah Yeah. it's really i'll um, move on a bit now to the sort of global impact but it is really interesting to hear that you've found a synthesis between fulfilling a social need and still running a business i think a lot of the dialogue currently is that those two things exist in a separate world so it's really I think inspiring as a young person to hear that it's not just you're a corporate sellout Mm, or a mm, greenie mm. there is sort of a middle ground that exists where both of those things mutually help each other yeah is that sort of what you've learned as well I think the the trickiest thing so in an ideal world 
Core Ethics is a social enterprise. However, the way that the government are defining social enterprise is quite far behind the rest of the world. So unfortunately, there isn't law in place to support your social enterprise in a structural term. Yeah. You're either a business or you're a charity or not-for-profit in the middle. And do you think that perpetuates why there's still a split, potentially? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, in terms of young people and how young people can be a part of this is the more social enterprises that, you know, are starting or are creating movement, the more the government are going to be forced to address this and and create a framework for us. So fingers crossed. (laughs) That's really interesting. That's something I know I haven't personally thought about was that there's inaction. I think what would be really interesting is for you to share uh, how you think maybe you've incorporated any of the sustainable development goals. Part of this podcast is sharing the sustainable development goals for 2030 and meeting with leaders from the community who are in some way, whether it's a broad span across all the SDGs or to one or two specifically, do you think you would have an idea of how you've linked what you've done with the SDGs, whether that was on purpose or just as a byproduct of what you've done? I think for us it was really important to have a benchmark, having a background in international studies, you know, there are, there are there is an international framework to follow. Yeah. Um, so that was really important to me that inside of our constitution sat three of the key uh, United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, that being six, access to clean water, 12, responsible consumption and production, yeah. and 17, partnerships to achieve the goals. So those are our three main areas that we look at, um, you know, so... The best thing about uh, asset-based community development is when you're trying to address one of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all the solutions are already sitting there. You just need to connect the dots. And also identifying that, you know, as the nearest neighbour, you know, we, we come from quite an affluent situation mm. and sharing, sharing in that. That's really interesting that uh, I think the first two that you mentioned are quite obvious for the aims of core ethics. Uh, Really interesting that you mentioned partnerships, though, because I feel as though, I mean, to put it a bit jovially, is a little bit less sexy than some of the other SDGs. I would like you to share, if you can, how you think a goal like partnerships, or any of the goals you can speak to, but I'm interested in the partnership piece. Uh, How important do you think that is as a framework for using the SDGs in business? Do you think that you would have already done that anyway or do you think that having the SDGs there as a, uh, I guess, a sort of framework and a backboard, do you think that's had an impact? Yeah, I think that SDGs have helped us focus Yeah, because it's very easy when you're connecting with lots of different organisations, individuals, government departments, universities, everybody has their own area or spectrum that they want to work within. They have their own individual goals. So for us, having those SDGs quite clear, that was really important to us. I'd be really curious now to hear a bit more about what you think are the most positive and hopeful solutions when it comes to addressing the more complex Mm. issues. There's been so much complexity just in this conversation, (laughs) uh, but you would have a wealth of knowledge as to to some of the, the biggest, most packed issues, if you could share a bit about your perspective. 
I think my advice to young people would be focus on what you're good at, know what you value, and don't give up. There's other people around you who probably have the same vision as you. Start connecting with one another. Start, you know, dipping your toe into volunteering. Find out different organisations. Go go along to a night where you can network and start building those connections. I think the thing that stops people from uh, realising their true potential is, I guess, a fear or mm. hoping that someone else will do it. Definitely. Absolutely. How do you think then that young people can escape the stigma of having to manufacture a success because mm. I think that's the thing that a lot of us face. Absolutely. And also age is, I mean, I don't want to say it, but it, it's been tricky being a young woman yeah. um, starting something internationally. Uh, a lot of people sort of, you know, take a glimpse and write me off, but you've just got to stick to it. Definitely. You know, you've got to believe in, in that cause that you have and keep going. But, yeah, there's certainly a lot of different considerations to take it's a really nice segue into my almost second last question um you've just said how you think that young people just basically need to give it a go uh not be scared of that risk what do you think that the role of young people will be in shaping a better world the great thing is i i feel there is a huge movement with youth both in australia and indonesia you know so that space for young people has already opened up. So we're willing and we're ready. Mm. You know? So it really is taking those really small steps. Um, and I think, yeah, don't, don't fear failure. Don't fear, you know, that it won't work out or don't, don't fear that, you know, it's too hard or, or whatnot. Because a lot of young people think I either do it and it's amazing mm. or I'm mm. not going to do it at all. So is your advice just to take things day by day and step by step and then before you know it, you'll be at that spot that you were dreaming of? Yeah, and I think a lot of uh, other young people that I've come across with um, in my dealings in Indonesia, there is never a you've made it moment. You know, I I look all around me and I have all these incredible friends who, you know, are making huge waves of difference across the world and not once do they ever stop and go, yes, I did it. I did this, 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 this. And, and now that's I'm why here. I'm successful. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. There for, you know, for every win, there's a thousand fails. Mm. And it really is just having that courage to continue. Yeah, yeah, wow. That leads me sort of to a more practical question. I think a lot of listeners will be really curious and think, wow, this sounds amazing um, to be sort of contributing to a greater social good that has such foundation in what is needed rather than what we see as necessary. Uh, what are some ways that young people and people in general can get involved in the work you're doing or support you in yeah, pursuing sure. that? Yeah, sure. So we're always looking for volunteers in different projects that we do. Um, we run a couple of events each year as well. So that's a fantastic time to share in some of the work that we do to give an insight to young people to dip their toe in to see if that's something that they might be interested in doing via our website we'll have links to all the places that will advertise positions we're also always looking for board directors as well to sit on and yep we open the floor you know so our, our main areas are social and environmental justice so your website is coreethics.net great coreethics.net 
And it sounds like you started as a volunteer as well. Yes, I did. (laughs) What do you think the power of being a volunteer is? Because so many people, I think, sit down here on this more grassroots level Mm. and we see this idealized view of the UN and all these big leaders and policymakers. What do you think the power in being a volunteer is rather than that top tier sort of, you know, Mm. security council level uh, Mm. representative? I really, going back to connection. Yes. it, It really is. And I have... You know, over the years, three years that I've been running Core Ethics, we've had over 40 volunteers at least. These people don't know each other. They come from all different walks of life. Mm. And seeing people connect for a common cause is just absolutely priceless. And, yeah, the camaraderie that they build together is really beautiful to see. All while doing something amazing for the planet. (laughs) And there are so many young people that I think, struggle with or what can I do how can I help so um, I think it's really inspiring to see you offering opportunities and if I can recommend to anyone listening joining a board also can be a really powerful thing and it does bring a lot of impact to what otherwise is just ideas that sit in your head gives you a platform to make decisions and offer opinions and create initiative that then could be filtered down through a business setting such as yours absolutely absolutely Well, thank you so much. I think we've covered everything. Did you have any parting words you'd like the listeners to hear? I'd just like to say that I'm really proud of our youth in Australia. I know it's a really tough time at the moment, but keep at it. Thank you so much. If you like this podcast, make our tomorrow brighter and review us on iTunes. We hope you enjoyed the episode. For more information about Core Ethics, check out the links in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining us. If you're doing something inspired in your community, DM us on Instagram and tag us in your story so we can share it at Annuity Youth Council. This has been a Newcastle Library's Real Production.